Hey, chiropractors, we're ready for another modern chiropractic marketing show with Dr. Kevin Christie, where we discuss the latest in marketing strategies, content marketing, direct response marketing, and business development with some of the leading experts in the industry. All right, welcome to another episode of the Modern Chiropractic Marketing Show. This is your host, Dr. Kevin Christie, and today's episode is actually an interview that Josh Satterley and I did of each other at the same time. We were in Vegas. We were there for Parker Vegas, and it really was a great trip. I had an awesome time. I met with a lot of different people, had some dinner with folks that I never thought I would, had had a lot of good connections, a lot of good meetings. My my presentation went good. I was speaking Thursday morning at 8.30 a.m., and I didn't know how that would be because that's the first morning of it, and I know some people get in uh, that day, but it went really good. We had a filled room, big room, and I thought it just overall went good. It was nice to get it out of the way. Last year was uh, Saturday morning, so I had to kind of wait a couple days and dwell on it, but this was great. I was able to get it done. And then from there, just meet with a lot of good people, and it was a great time. But during that trip, uh, Josh and I decided to have a interview. We were talking about a topic that's kind of come up quite a bit in the evidence-informed crowd and a lot of the docs that are doing physical uh, therapy exercises, personal training, uh, rehab, whatever you want to call it. And obviously, Josh does a lot with the clinic gym hybrid, and he wanted to dispel a little bit of the myth of you know, not not outsourcing it, right? And doing all the work yourself and doing all the exercises yourself and spending 30, 45, 60 minutes with a patient and getting reimbursed much less than you should. And so we dive into that uh, conversation. I thought it was fun. I thought we we touched on a few things. And, and as always, having Josh on the podcast is always uh, a learning experience for me and myself. He's got great stories, great analogies, and you'll hear a few of them uh, in this interview. So here is the interview that'll be on my podcast and his podcast. So not really, you know, either of us interviewing each other. It's just a conversation. I hope you enjoy it, and I hope you. I hope to see you at Parker Vegas next year. I'll be there. I think it's February 18th and 20th, so it's a little bit later uh, than the last couple of years. But uh, I'm going to make it part of my yearly trip, uh, barring any other conflicts. So I hope to see you there next year. All right, welcome to the show, Josh. I'm really excited to have you here. We're in Vegas together, hanging out, and uh, this is kind of a dual episode. It'll be on your podcast. It'll be on mine, but the topic is really in your wheelhouse. So I think I might be asking a little bit more of the questions. So before we do that, what's new with you? Oh man, what's new? Oh, we're out here in Vegas. We're at the Parker seminar. And you know, it's funny, like thinking about back to a year ago being here, a lot of things were just new, like your CSA. We just had lunch with our friend, John Morrison, who uh, basically kind of launched a chiropractor's little more than a year ago, but the Parker seminar was kind of that big thing. Um, man, since then I've had a, uh, spoken a bunch, got a bunch of new, uh, members in our program. sounds like you have some, a lot of new members in your program. I started a business with my wife. I didn't think of anything else, man. It just <laughs> quite a bit. Yeah. Oh, teaching a bunch. So there's yeah. just a bunch going on. I Actually, can't keep track of it all. You mentioned you're leaving tonight for LA. What course is that? Teaching the SFMA, the Selective Functional Movement Assessment, down at LAX. Perfect. Nice. Yeah. So what I wanted to chat about today, obviously, we're in Vegas. We're having a lot of conversations. But one of the things that we've talked about with the clinic gym hybrid and then some of the situations we see in the profession where a lot of chiropractors are having a hard time making a business out of 
doing what they really want to do. And in, in this particular chiropractor that we're going to talk about right now, not a person, but just a type of chiropractor, mm-hmm. wants to do a good amount of rehab or strength or fitness, mm-hmm. whatever you want to call it, but they want to have that in their practice. But what they tend to fall into is they're spending a lot of time themselves personally doing that and the reimbursement just isn't there and that's causing a whole slew of problems are you seeing that happen quite a bit all the time i mean every week i'm on the phone with somebody and and i'll hear this story of and i don't want to start out thinking that this is um that these people are bad i think their intentions are actually the the great intentions which is hey i want to integrate let me dissect the language i want to integrate active care so that could be exercise rehab whatever i want to integrate that i see it's promise i see what it does for people i'm really excited i love to share it with people and so i spend a time you know they, they say i spend a lot of time doing it yep. and then in the same conversation they say i just can't seem to get enough new patients i can't seem to make enough money the expenses are really high and that's a very common occurrence in my world and i think with just a few tweaks, those people aren't too far from success, but I think the perspective certainly needs to be different. Yeah, I've, I've seen a couple of chiropractors I've talked to, it's probably more than that, but where they're busy, like they're they're technically almost maxed out, but yeah. that number is low. It's like, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm only able to see eight people in a day mm-hmm. because they're spending so much time with that person yeah. and they're not getting the reimbursement or charging enough to do it. And, and they're good intentioned. But this this vicious cycle of, okay, you're busy, so you can't really add a whole lot more people to your schedule. You're not paying yourself as much as you want. You can't afford to hire someone because you're not even paying yourself as much. Right. And you, it's, they seem like they can't get out of that Right, and then cycle. your phones aren't getting answered. You're not able to get back to the people that yeah. have come in. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're not able to develop anything new because you're working sun up to sun down. You're super tired. Mm-hmm. And yet, yeah, I mean, during those hours, you're charged up. You care. It's It's awesome, but... Uh, I would agree. Like they can't seem to get out in front of themselves. And and you've mentioned this many times. I think you were one of the first ones to start talking about it was the idea of maximizing your license. Yeah. And again, I don't want to, I don't want to devalue how uh, doing rehab or any type of fitness, let's just call it exercise for the, for the moment. I don't want to devalue that because it's obviously we know how important that is for the patient. I know a lot of chiropractors value their skill set in actually delivering that to the patient base. So I'm not here to, you know, to discount that at all. But when you talk about maximizing the chiropractor's license, what does that look like in this type of uh, condition or setting? Yeah. Well, I, when I say that, you know, I talk about this story I've told a bunch on stage, but I'll, I'll tell it here because I think it's important for people to hear. Mm -hmm. I call it the coin star story. You ever seen a coin star machine? Yeah. I use it. Yeah, I do. Yeah. So it's these machines, green machines in front of like supermarkets and whatnot. You dump all your change in there, counts it and says, oh, hey, you know, you don't, you dumped in $121 and then typically they take like 8% of it if you want cash, maybe 10% of it. So out of that $120, let us just say they take $12 mm-hmm. and, uh, and then they give you the a receipt. You go up to the check stand, they give you the cash, right? So 120, what did I say? 121 minus mm-hmm. $12, $109, right? Well, they, that business wanted to grow, and so this is years ago, but the founders of the business were like, how can we grow, how can we grow? And somebody said, hey, I know, let's let's give gift cards. So you put on $121, you get $121 worth of gift card, because gift cards operate with like this 20% non-use. Non-use, yeah. yeah. So they're like willing to give you the full amount. Mm-hmm. All right, so that goes on. They see some bump in revenue, and then um, you know the, the company's like, hey, we want to grow, we want to grow. And 
everybody was focused on how can we get the machines, you know, count better. How can we have less maintenance? And they hire a consultant. Hey, how can we grow this thing? And you know, they had, had like they had contracts with like Walmart, CVS, Walgreens, all these places. So it wasn't like I mean, anywhere where there's a lot of foot traffic, they had they had one of their machines, right? It's not right. like you could not going to put them in public parks for God's mm-hmm. sakes, but they had them damn near everywhere. So then the consultant comes in and looks at the machines and it's like, show me how you make them. Okay, we'll show you this. Show me how maintenance happens. You know, what do you got to do? We hire an armored truck and the buckets of coins are really heavy, blah, blah, blah. So you have to hire these strong people. We're kind of showing them all the problems, right? And they're like, all right, show me where they are. So they go to like a Walgreens. Okay, it's right mm-hmm. here. We have this little lease for whatever it is, 16 square feet. You know, we do the power this way and we pay for the maintenance this way and you know, all the stuff. So it's going on and on the the consultant leaves and he's gone for like three days and and the CEO is kind of like worried. Like when your consultant's gone for three days, it means there's no way to improve this business. <laughs> I think it's important because a lot of chiropractors get there, right? They're like, Hey, we tweaked everything we could. We, re- <laughs> we reduced the heating bill. We reduced, you know, how many pencils we buy, all that stuff, do online charting, we all this stuff. And it's like, you get scared, you get nervous. So the going back to the story, the consultant comes back after three days and he's excited and he tells the CEO like, Hey man, assemble, assemble the board. I've got great news. And, and the consultant's like, what, what do you mean? Like, it's like, I've, you, you guys don't even know what you got here. Man. I'm, I got great news. We're going to blow this thing up. So they get the whole board together and the consultant says, listen, you know, what's the most valuable piece of this, of this business? And, uh, and everybody's like, oh, it's our machines, you know, the proprietary coin counting mm-hmm. technology and we count faster and more accurate than anybody else. Yeah. Wrong. It's our relationship with the gift card companies. Wrong. And he's going through and finally he steps back. He goes, the most valuable thing in this entire business is that you dummies somehow <laughs> negotiated the greatest 16 square foot lease at the front of every major retailer in the world. All you got to do is stop thinking about coins and start thinking about what else can you put into 16 square feet. And so after a while, that same company came up with a much more viable product called Redbox. Uh. And, you know, I mean, when Redbox was hot, it's kind of faded away now with Netflix. But when it was hot, man, I mean, you know, as I say, like, I I saw one outside of McDonald's. Mm -hmm. You never leave McDonald's on a Friday. You know, you got Happy Meals for the kids and you're like, oh, shoot, I should really count my coins real quick. But you're leaving McDonald's on a Friday night thinking, let me grab a couple movies for the weekend, you know. Mm -hmm. And people were just burning through it. These things were making like, I don't remember, 50 times more than the Coinstar was Mm -hmm. for the company. And I think as chiropractors, when you're asking me about maximizing our license, we kind of get stuck in the idea of like, oh, only I can provide this great healthcare service to my patients. Only I understand these things. Only I can treat them. Only I can rehab them. Only I can stretch them. Only I can do soft tissue. All these things that we think are only I. And I want to say, dude, the most valuable thing of your entire business is not the weights, it's not any. It's the fact that under your umbrella of that DC license, mm-hmm. you can hire people to do a ton of shit. And you and you have the space to do it. And I know yeah. <clears throat> I know last year you showed it here at Parker where you showed it stage. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was like the size of the stage could be a rehab area, and it's not a big stage to where you could do it. So the size is Yeah, I wasn't in the main room with like the <laughs> You were you were a with thousand God. square foot stage. Yeah. I was in a side room. <laughs> yeah. And it was small. Yeah, you're right. It was like twenty by ten or yeah. something. And it was cool how you demonstrated that. And so uh, kind of what you're saying is that you maximize the license, you add things below it, you obviously hire it, but then you have the space to it to, to handle it, and you can maximize not only your license but also 
the space and it's a similar analogy to what you're just talking yeah. about. But I mean, like if we go back to all the things that get done at your office as far as patient treatment, because I know you have a very active population and, and you're going after that weekend warrior athlete and those are yeah. the perfect market. So if, if we like right now, today you are here and this is a day your practices would normally be open. Am I it's right? open. Yeah. It's right. Yeah. If we look at all the services rendered today, yeah. and if we just looked at those as like, uh, you know, just a CPT, CPT codes, mm -hmm. what are the ones that absolutely require Kevin Christie to be there? Yeah. And if you go down the list, I think there's only two. Yeah. Adjust. So strength coaches, personal trainers, they can't adjust. Mm -hmm. And then the other one is exam. Like yeah. you can't examine, diagnose. Mm -hmm. They can maybe assess or screen, but they can't really diagnose. And that diagnosis you know, leads to recommendation, which some people might call a sales cycle, yep. you know, but a diagnostic recommendation, it's like you have this disease, here's your prescription, mm -hmm. works really good. That's the aspect that you need to do yep. to maximize that. But then the follow-up, the, the stretching, muscle work, exercise, rehab, mm -hmm. all that stuff, start thinking about who can do that that doesn't need to get paid as well. Yeah. You know? It's true. And it's one of those things I think we inherently, like you mentioned, we think we have to do everything or we're the best at it. But if you do a, if you can do a really good job of teaching these exercises to patients who are usually motor morons, right? Mm -hmm. I would guarantee you could teach it to someone that has a little bit of a background in it, like an right. exercise science or yeah. a fitness trainer, whoever. So you just take those same skills you have in teaching every different patient the same stuff and you teach it and train someone to do it for you. And then from there, I want to ask you this, and it, I don't think it's a delicate conversation, yeah, yeah. but the psychology behind it, if your patients see you as the fitness and rehab person, like you're doing all of that, mm -hmm. do you think they also struggle to bridge that gap to say, that's my doctor also? Is that a reasonable thing to question? Yeah, I'm all the time, all the time, because yeah. people, I think, devalue themselves in a big way. Mm -hmm. There are people out there that will argue this point all day long, yeah. all right? But I'm, I'm just going to tell you some observations outside of chiropractic that I've seen. Number one, a, a really smart marketer shared this, and I've shared this a thousand times with my clients, but you ever been to Costco? Oh, yeah. Okay. Inside Costco, there's always an optometrist. Mm -hmm. Do you look at Costco as a healthcare facility? Mm -hmm. Like, no, I look at Costco as a convenient place to shop and has high-quality products. That's right. And inside there, there's this other service, optometry. You started in a gym, right? Yes. Yeah. So mm -hmm. they had a chiropractor, a very skilled chiropractor in there. But mm -hmm. when you were renting from the gym mm -hmm. for whatever, human psychology reasons. It was hard. The gym was not perceived to be the, the highest level of expertise, right? Yeah. So for some reason, when the flip side, the flip happens where the chiropractor owns those things, mm -hmm. now the perception is, okay, this is a different level of service. This is a different level of, of offering. Yeah. And you don't want to end up as the optometrist inside the Costco. You want to be the clinic that makes these diagnoses and recommendations that also can be solved by exercise. Yeah, I agree with that. It's I had that happen a few times. You know, I've got a nice practice now and all that, and it's set up the way I want it to be. But yeah, I started in a gym. And then the other thing that used to happen is I had a corporate location right down the street. We were a mile away. Yeah. And everything was the same, except we happened to be a chiropractor in a corporation, mm -hmm. which didn't give us it didn't position us well in there as like the expert they're like it's kind of like the optometrist or the veterinarian yeah. in the the dog store that's sure you know, the, yeah, yeah and so it was the same type of thing to where um you know i we had our practice right on the street where we were 
in our own building and yeah. we did things the right way. And we were considered, you know, in a lot of ways, the expert in community and people would pay high cash rates. Then the same psychology or the different psychology inside of the corporation, mm -hmm. they didn't even want to pay their insurance deductible or their copay. They sure. just looked at this as like, oh, some uh, chiropractor off the street that they a, put inside here. So over, I live kind of off, you know, not everybody, everybody perceives that everybody in Vegas lives on the strip. We don't actually, we <laughs> kind of live off the strip. So I live about half an hour from the strip. And there is a, a fairly nice casino and everything over, over by us. And they have a spa. Mm -hmm. And in that spa, you can get a massage. Massages, I think it's like 120 an hour. Yeah. Literally across the street. I'm saying you could walk there in 30 seconds. Literally across the street from that is a place where you can get an hour-long massage for $60. So what's the difference? You know? Perceived value, right? That's right. Yeah. And so along those lines, and this is probably where we'll get some hay mail, but I'll just <laughs> So I was just, I just took the family um, to Disneyland at Christmas, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, I think Disney... Some people love them, hate them, but man, you cannot fault them for operations, right? They're yep. stellar operators. Mm -hmm. And they definitely get the biggest value out of everything they do. Hell, mm -hmm. they'll, you know, they'll take a, a $1 corn dog and sell it to you for eight bucks, right? Mm -hmm. Like, but why is that? Because everything is clean, because mm -hmm. everything is organized, because every, everybody's wearing the right outfit. They're all wearing name tags, they're all doing everything. And, you know, we're waiting in a line, and I see a guy who's like an electrician, he's fixing something. I see that he has a name tag, and they're all mm -hmm. this like kind of oval. But I noticed it doesn't say like, it doesn't look like the name tag or anything. I go, hey man, what's with the name tag? And he's, he's dressed fairly nice. He goes, oh, actually I'm a contractor. I'm, I'm just fixing this uh, Wi-Fi system. Oh, really? I go, they still make you wear a name tag? And he's smiling. He's like, everybody, everybody wears a name tag. <laughs> like that is so ingrained in their thing, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. And I think that's right because they want everybody to per be perceived with value. If you come into their organization, you're perceived with value. And I'm looking at what he's wearing. He's not wearing anything that identifies his company. Mm -hmm. He's wearing like a black polo and and tan pants, you know? Yep. And it's like, I have a feeling Disney said, hey, there's one brand promoted in here, and it's the mm -hmm. Disney brand. If you're from, you know, Joe's electric electrical, yeah. it ain't happening here. But when I go back to this perceived value, sorry, I'm kind of rambling. One of the things that drives me nuts when people play the role of trainer practor mm -hmm. is <laughs> uh, I like that. Is that they also kind of start like uh, what would I say? Like merging towards, they get lazy about how they dress and what they wear and everything. Yeah. And you know, and they're they're treating patients at their highest, their busiest clinic times mm -hmm. in like running shoes and sweats and like a a, a nice you know workout t shirt. Yeah. And I know this debate has gone on online, yeah. but I'd say like find me the the company that's kicking ass mm -hmm. that doesn't make their employees wear a nice uniform. Yeah. Show me that. Mm -hmm. There's no company I can think of where they. Went super casual and still maintained high profits. And if you don't want high profits, cool. Wear whatever you want. Yeah. But if there's this trend where every single company, mm -hmm. you know, we're in Vegas, every single casino makes their employees wear a, a certain outfit that they've paid a lot of money to have designed. What they don't do is be like, hey, Kevin, I know you're dealing blackjack tonight, but do feel free to wear whatever you want. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. don't even sweat it. I mean, you want to wear a t-shirt and running shoes, go for it. Yeah. No, it's a big part of it, you know, and I think, we're not saying you can't do exercises with patients and things like that, but we're just, you got to understand that it's not even about money in a sense of like having all the cars and having all the nice stuff. It's about making a livable wage and then being able to scale to where you can have a front desk person. You can have an associate at some point. You can have some freedom of time. You don't want to be our age in your forties and still having to do that to where you can't hire anybody because you've, you've built this system the wrong way. Right. 
And, and on if the f- that truck will never go out of first gear, like you can work as hard as you want, man. Yeah, but exactly. Doing it. And, you know, it's funny. I remember I had a buddy who played football in college and he went to the NFL for two years and unfortunately kind of never really just couldn't make it right. Like 80% of the NFL. They don't realize. <laughs> yeah. You work with some NFL. <laughs> Most guys, people yeah. don't realize it's not all uh, Patrick Mahomes, right? Yeah. But I remember <laughs> the story he told me that I think, unfortunately in the world of evidence-based active care chiropractic, sometimes we get caught in this trap. Mm-hmm. And here's, here's what my buddy told me. I said, what was it like being in the NFL? He goes, oh, man. He's all, you ever watch like uh, highlights on, on college Saturday, college football Saturday, and you, you watch some kid just break loose, and I mean, he's just leaving. Nobody can catch him. I mean, he's mm-hmm. gaining ground every step he takes. I'm like, yeah, man, I've seen that. He goes, imagine 11 guys like that on one side of the field, and then on our side of the field, we got another 11. And he's like, you know, I went there thinking, man, I was the fastest guy in my college, mm-hmm. and, uh, and my perspective leaving the NFL is, my college didn't produce fast enough guys. You know, he, he's like, <laughs> yeah. I was just never fast. Enough, and yet I was the fastest in my college. And I think our perception of what success is in a chiropractic world, mm-hmm. unfortunately, sometimes we need to refocus that lens. Yeah. Or you don't want to be the most profitable practice running out of a tiny gym, mm-hmm. 10 by 10 square feet. You need to step back and go, let's, let's adjust this lens. So if mm-hmm. we go to here to Parker, right, you got all, all sorts of different practices. Yeah. I would want to say like, hey, let's take the divide this room into the top 50 earners and the bottom 50 earners. Mm-hmm. And then say in that top 50 earners, what is the amount per hour that really makes a chiropractic practice successful in the mm-hmm. fact that you can be here on a Friday, your clinic is open. Yeah. Thursday. Thursday, yeah. <laughs> you're still you're still making money. Yeah. You're still, you know, like the bills are getting paid and you're not even there. Yeah. So if we look at that, what is it? And mm-hmm. I, I think that if we refocus our lens and I hate <laughs> I think you got to stick around $300 an hour mm-hmm. and you got to be able to do that for 30 straight hours a week. Yeah, yeah. And every doctor that comes in there has got to be able to produce 30 hours at $300. Now, not that specific doctor doesn't have to do that, yeah. but you have to have a system that produces that. Exactly. Like you're not going to take home $300 an hour as a doctor in the sense of your take-home pay, but the clinic needs to be producing that. So there's enough meat on the bone to actually start to build a real practice and, and grow out of it. And that was one thing that for me, I... And this is my recommendation. If you are in a gym or you are doing a lot of it, I was there in 2007. That's how I started. And then I rented a room out of an orthopedic office. I was there, but I was doing enough to where there was enough meat on the bone and saving and knowing that I had to get out of there. Because if I didn't get out of there, I was going to be stuck there for a long time. And so I did it and I used it as a springboard. So maybe that's where you're at right now, but just know that you have to get your systems in place to be able to bring in enough money that $300 an hour is a clinic mm-hmm. to where you can have a team around you. And it doesn't have to be 10 employees, but one, two, three team members can really help you grow and catapult into the next level of revenue and then in some more freedom. Right. Yeah. But I, I talk to people probably every month and I would say that I hear about like I treat two people an hour, Yeah. sometimes one, but let's say two people an hour. I say, okay, what do you charge? And they're like, oh, somewhere between 45 and $60. Yeah. And that $120 or $100 mark an hour, whatever, mm-hmm. maybe there's a couple places in the country where the cost of living is so low that that'll work, but it ain't going to work in most places. Yeah. And it doesn't allow you to improve your product. Like mm-hmm. you, you have sure you talk to these chiros that are great uh, practicing. They're, they're great at adjusting. They're great at patient communication. They're great at exams. They're great at all that, but they're flat broke mm-hmm. and they are no longer great people to be around to their husbands, wives, kids, patients, and it's heartbreaking, right? Yeah. It eats at you. And, and you, 
end up losing the love of what you're doing, and then it just becomes this yeah. definitely a, a problem. And and I had a, a, a guy on my podcast one time, uh, Anthony Renan. He's mm-hmm. you know one of the top trainers in the nation. I mean, like he's been around, he's seen it all. And uh, and one thing he said is that just stuck with me. He's like, you got to be careful about undercharging your early clients because in personal yeah. training, there's this idea like, oh well, everybody's charging sixty, so I'll charge fifty, and it's like mm-hmm. there. People aren't price shopping it that hard, dude. So yeah. Don't worry about it, you know. But if, but what he said is because the problem is when you fill up at that rate, mm. you begin to just despise your clients mm. because for forty bucks an hour, stupid Kevin Christie's making me sh- wake up at four thirty. I got to be here by five to run him through his thing, and then he's going off to work. Mm. He's not even paying. It's like, yeah, but you built this cage, dude. Yeah. You said forty bucks to Kevin, you know, like, and he's like, yeah, just make sure you're not doing it at a at a, a rate where you're gonna be angry with that person or increase your yeah. rates. And he said, the the biggest thing is increase your rates till you're uncomfortable saying it. Mm-hmm. He's like, you go from 40 bucks and say, Hey, Kevin, uh, future training is going to be a hundred dollars. He said, the greatest thing that can happen is that person says, okay, because mm-hmm. now you got to step up. Yeah. Now you got to perform as a hundred dollar trainer would, which mm-hmm. is a whole lot different than a $40 trainer would. Yeah. And you know? I think chiropractors fall into the money side of it. And also the time side of it. It's like they're starting out early and they spend too much time with them and they can't get away from that, right? Like when they get busy, they don't have the time to see that much and the person gets upset. So even if you're starting out, figure out how much you want to personally spend with that person and do that and then cluster book. Don't just say, oh, I've got an hour to spend with two patients. I'll just do that because I have the time. And clinically, I'll tell you what, man, you reduce that time, you got to get better. I mean, I'm sure you've seen this. Mm -hmm. Like you and I kind of trained different parts of the country, but around the same time about ART. And yep. did you have those early on? Were you seeing people like 20, 30 minutes straight of ART? <laughs> yeah. I mean, my thumbs were killing yeah, me. Exactly. And I'm thinking, oh, I'm so awesome. And then, you know, when I realized this ain't going to work and we reduced down to 15 minute visit, yep. it, it's not you're doing less. You're getting better because you're like, what are the one or two things I need to work on that'll make this person better? Yeah. If I work you head to toe, it's like, I don't know what worked. Hell, you don't know what worked. And you could say that about exercise too, right? Like you don't necessarily have to go over six exercises with the person. There might be two or three that are actually going to help them get more bang for your buck and then go from there, right? Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. And, and I, I, like, I, again, I don't want to discourage people out there. Like mm-hmm. it's great if you come from, a, I mean, I just talked to a cat who had like seven years of strength and conditioning background. I think he coached at a, like a D2 university, mm-hmm. super knowledgeable, super great. And I was excited and he's like, yeah. So I'm gonna I'm gonna do some you know strength and conditioning and and I'm gonna do some coaching in my office. I was like, uh, no, you're not. <laughs> I'll, but you gotta have that perceived value. So one thing that could happen is if you're absolutely like, hey man, my batteries get charged from working with people in strength and conditioning. I want to do it. Yeah. I'm totally down with that. But let's set it up that that is the absolute highest level service offered at your gym. Mm-hmm. So you can train with Joe Schmo for. Let's just say in our small group session, 40 bucks a session, there's six of you. You can train one-on-one with our high-end trainer here for 150 bucks. Mm-hmm. If you want to work with Dr. Christie, and he only does a class twice a week, he has to approve you into it. Mm-hmm. There's only six spots. But instead of $40 an hour, that one's $75 an hour. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Make yourself ultra-exclusive. The only thing that happens is you make more money. It's like the, it. People are going to say yes, and their perception is going to be this is a higher-end coaching class. Yeah. You know? I like it. It's a good idea. It's a it's a value thing. And then a, a question I have for you is if someone's finding themselves in this cycle and they can't get out of it and they know they want to, what would be some of the steps for them to actually, okay, 
I'm not, there's not enough meat on the bone. I'm not charging enough. I'm spending too much time. I can't hire anybody. What would be some of the ideas that they could start to implement to get out of that cycle? So it's tough because there's a lot of combinations that kind of get us there. Yeah. I was just with my son doing matched pairs. He's like 10. Mm-hmm. Matched pairs like uh, 56 times 1 to 56. 28 mm-hmm. times 2 is 56. Yeah. You know, 14 times 4. Like you keep going down that. So match pairs. So there's the time and the money, right? Mm-hmm. I think the easiest way is whatever you're charging now, uh, I'd encourage you to cut your time in half. Mm-hmm. So if you're charging 60 bucks for half an hour, cut it to 15 minutes and keep charging 60 bucks. Yep. You just doubled your re- potential revenue. Mm-hmm. Now, are there going to be bumps along the way? Yeah. Absolutely. People are going to be like, well, it's going to feel quick to them because they might have gotten into the kind of social hour <laughs> yes. mentality. Which, by the way, every older doctor told me about when I was young. Yeah, you're still <laughs> doing young, you know, I, don't, I don't understand. I don't have enough patience. And it's like one of those things. Yeah, they were right. Yeah, just cut your time in half mm-hmm. and challenge yourself to cut your time in half through more efficient treatments. Don't, yeah. don't just say, oh, I'm going to spend 15 minutes. Be like, no, I'm going to get the same results in yeah. just less time. It means you got to be freaking accurate with your diagnosis, mm-hmm. accurate with your treatment, and quit messing around with shit that just doesn't serve you. Yeah, I had a chiropractor want to do decrease the time but then lower this cost a little bit. Not He still would have made more money. But I was like, you know what? Just keep it. Yeah. Keep the price, lower it. I mean, you could. It's, a, it's an idea, but I was that, like. That one thing, you just reminded me. I mm-hmm. did recommend that to somebody because they're struggling with re- insurance reimbursements. Yeah. And I said, like, if you're charging, say, let's just say 60 bucks an hour for two people, so half-hour mm-hmm. sessions, you're going to get 120 an hour is the yeah. most you'll ever make. I said, maybe reduce it to 45 and then go 15 minutes mm-hmm. or 15 minute session. So now we're going 180, right? Yeah. So we just bumped up by 50% in mm-hmm. the hour. But the reason we did that is because that $45 cash rate now looks a lot like my copay. Mm-hmm. So if my insurance doesn't work, like there's parity there. You won't there. lose as much. Yeah. 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 And everybody's situation is a little bit different yeah. for sure. So. But, um, but yeah, I think like 15 minutes, if you can get it down to 10 minutes, yeah. you know, like, uh, and, and that doesn't mean like you, you can always invest, have a, a long um, front end visit. And, yeah. you know, like guys like, say, Troy Van Beesen, I mean, the guy's yeah. working with some incredible athletes. I think his intake's like two hours long. Yeah. But I guarantee you, he ain't spending that much. He's not spending an hour with everybody. He doesn't have the time. He's so popular. Well, so that's part of it. Like, I know he's not doing a whole lot in private practice now, but he's traveling all over the PGA tour with these guys. And I think what ends up happening is that's very sexy. And we see that. And we see the. Greg Cooks and the Greg Roses and the Troy Van Beesons, and it's sexy. We, we would love to have that situation, but they, they apply that type of time and model to a low reimbursement. I don't know what Troy Van Beesen makes, but I know it's not a, a little. And, and I don't think Ricky Fowler's arguing about his copay. Exactly. And Ricky Fowler's not arguing about his copay and Jordan Smith and all that. And mm-hmm. obviously, Greg's, Greg Rose and Greg Cook, we all mm-hmm. know that. So they're, they're getting compensated. So mm-hmm. if you find yourself in a way where you can position yourself as the expert and you can command $150, $200 a session, which some are doing. I know there's a couple of people that I know that are yeah. that are rehab heavy, but they're commanding a lot of money for it. Then that's fine. There's a dude in uh, Florida. I don't want to mention his name, but I think he's like, hey, man, you can come in. You can book as many hours as you want, but every hour is 450 or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And he's booked up. Yep. Like, And so actually, this is a great thing mm-hmm. from your perspective. So you said you have to have that expertise. And I would agree. Yeah. It's hard for those young doctors to have that confidence to go like, yeah. hey, I'm I'm 
to look you in the eye and say, I'm going to charge you mm-hmm. $250 an hour or whatever it is. Yeah. But what are maybe your top two ways people can establish their expertise? Well, I talked about it today in my, in my talk, and I think when you get really confident in your communication skills, I think that's a big part of it. You know, It's like being bold and knowledgeable and really communicating well. And so if you're struggling to do that, work on it. Communication is a learned skill. There are going to be some charismatic people that are born that way and great speakers and all that. But you can get better at communicating. So I think that's a big one. And go the, ahead. The, no, I was just going to say, yeah. the NFL rookie camp is full of talented guys that didn't want to work at it, right? Yeah. And then yeah. you get the Jerry Rices who were mm-hmm. just okay. Yep. Emmett Smith, just okay. Never known as the fastest guy out there. Yep. But God dang it, did they work on their craft? Exactly. Or yeah. it's even like today we heard David Goggins speak as far as, you know, he's the Navy SEAL and everything like that. And there's a guy who admitted he's not intellectually the smartest. He was 297 pounds at one point, but his mind is wired in a different way to where he drove past that and he became who he is now. And so with communication, you can get better at it and it's not um, as daunting as you think. So that's one. I would say right. two is is really good content marketing and getting out there and educating the community and being consistent with it and showing your expertise, and especially if you do it on video and those types of things. People have this perceived value, like we talked about earlier. It's like, if you're on video and you're communicating well and you're showing stuff, they're going to put you at a higher regard and they're gonna, you're going to be able to really drive your position into a better uh, standpoint. And then you just have to, you have to bring the goods too. Like you can't charge $250 an hour if you suck clinically. So that's table stakes. Like you got to be good clinically. And if you layer on those other two things, I think you're, mm-hmm. you're doing well. Yeah. And, you know, going along with that, the video stuff, I know a lot of people are out there intimidated. They're scared yeah. as hell. And uh, I just read this great little write-up about this guy who's a, so he's a college professor. He's teaching a photography class. Mm-hmm. And so he, he divided the room in half. And he said, uh, half the room is going to be graded on the quantity of your uh, pictures that you take. Mm-hmm. And an A is 100 pictures, B is uh, 90, C is 80, D is 70 and below. And then the other half of the room, you're going to be graded on one picture. Just one, right? Yeah. And uh, so you just, when the class ends, just bring in your hundred or bring in your one. And so he said the thing that was interesting to him as an instructor, he's like, we sat through the same lessons, the same class, everything. So the people that shot one picture were horrible. <laughs> they thought they were good. He said, yeah. but you could see in the people that did a hundred, they did a bunch of repetitions. They took some risks, yep. lighting was sat with a, you know, uh, contrast. They, they shot in low light, high light, all this stuff. They were playing around. They were having the reps, right? Yep. And he said their, their 10 best pictures would beat any of the people that took one picture. Mm-hmm. And I think when you're talking about video content marketing, like so many people are like, well, I don't know what to say. I don't know this. Who cares, dude? Just yep. do yep. a crappy version and just, it's okay. And just say, mm-hmm. that's the worst video I'm ever going to shoot in my life. Yep. You know what? The next one's going to be better. But there's no way you can get to a point where you're pumping out just amazing content if you're not taking the reps, you know, it's just, there's nothing. I mean, you played baseball. There's nothing you do one time that you're great at. Your first up at bat sucks. It's horrible, but your hundredth is pretty good. And I think that applies to everything you're talking about. And it's just about driving forward with that and and having the repetition and getting better at it. Uh, I know I try to continue to improve on it. I learn every time I do it. And so, and then you, you, you start with your iPhone mm-hmm. and then you're like, Hey man, I, I've done a, you know, look yeah. at our friend, Jeff Langmaid. Yeah. I mean, how many cameras has that guy gone through? <laughs> yeah. Probably 20, yeah. but you know what? He's, 
on every single camera, probably shot a hundred great videos. He's a good example of someone that does it consistently. You yeah. Know? And, and, and he keeps got, upgrading his, yeah. what he knows and the mm -hmm. style and when mm -hmm. he shoots and the lighting and, and the yeah. camera lens and all that stuff. And yeah. you go, oh, wow, is that how it needed to start? Hell no. Jeff started with some crappy setup, yeah. you know? Yep. yep. And he's incredible. And so. I mean, now he hires a guy to edit. And I'm sure mm -hmm. early on it was like he was editing on his laptop and, you know, mm -hmm. upstairs in his, in his house, like yeah. we all do. And that, yeah. that's okay. Yeah. So you just got to plug forward with it. And then I start laying a game plan for getting out of this cycle and starting to position yourself as the expert, maximize your license, delegate out the exercises. There's a lot of good people out there that can do it. If you can teach it to patients, I know you can teach it to someone to do it in your office and you'll still provide the same quality of care. Like I'm confident and what our patients get, they may only get 10 minutes of me, but they're getting a 30 to 40 minute visit and they're getting good rehab. They're getting good soft tissue and they're getting mm -hmm. good uh, manipulation. And so it can be done. Any last words on, on that? I think, I think we really covered it pretty well. You know, one thing that I'm kind of pursuing, I just share this thought with you that yeah. uh, I went to a, a seminar recently, not a seminar work workshop, they kept saying, <laughs> and it was people trying to optimize your office operations. Yes. Right. So there's a lot of like, you're a fan of Zapier, right? Yes. Or Zapier. Yeah. So it was a bunch of people using Zapier and this and that. But the room was mostly attorneys. For whatever mm. reason, it was mostly attorneys. Only half of them had an office. Most of them worked remotely or rented yeah. little space, right? And then probably 75% of them had a phone answering service that answered the phone instead mm -hmm. of them having, hiring a staff member. And I was like, why is that? And they're like, oh, it's just, it's too expensive. And the, you know, the phone service can offer coverage more you know, more widely. And I left that thing going, man, do we just, are we just stuck in this like perspective of how an office quote unquote needs to be? Mm -hmm. Cause that's how the guy that taught you, Kevin did it. And then you taught me. So I did it. And then I hire an associate mm -hmm. and taught him. And then he hires an associate and taught him. And it's like, oh, that's the traditional way of doing it. And here at Parker and a bunch of things, like there are some things on Expo mm -hmm. that I'm looking at going, man, you guys are dinosaurs. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know it, but you're going extinct. Yeah. Yeah. And on the flip side, what is the office of the future like? What will you need to do as a professional? And, you know, is there an app that could do it? Is there an app that can fill a role? Is there a technology that can reduce? Yeah. Here's, a, here's a thought I had from something. What if every single patient, when they walked in on day one, already had their new patient paperwork done. 100% yep. of your patients. Yep. How fast could they see the doctor on day one? Yep. That'd be good. I mean, our, Five minutes? our system does it and they can do it from remotely. And I'd mm -hmm. say we get 75% mm -hmm. that do it and it really helps out. We'd yeah. love to get the other 25%. But the two things in our practice that have streamlined it is that, which cuts out 75% of the paperwork and then the online scheduling. And so it yeah. reduces my phone calls quite a bit. So it frees up our front. To do it, yeah. So you got to definitely implement those systems. But I just sure. think like, what are those things? Step back from your practice. What yeah. are you assuming has to be in your practice that doesn't? That doesn't. You know, like I used to say, it takes uh, four hundred square feet mm -hmm. to have one of these gyms. And Chip Bleem, our, our mutual buddy's, like, I ain't got four hundred square feet. <laughs> so I'm telling you right now, it takes two hundred because he had two hundred. You know, yeah. And I'm like, shit, you can actually do it in two hundred. Then I had a client come along, and she has one hundred, I think, sixty eight square feet and she did. with a pole in the middle, like a structural beam. Yeah, she's doing it. And she has three trainers. By the way, she's hired three trainers to run those classes so she doesn't have to. So. And I'm like, man, you guys are great at like stepping back going, I don't need mm -hmm. to do this. What do I need to do? You know, and what is it that you need to do or I need to do in our practices? Yeah. And what can truly change if we don't just say, well, that's how it's always been. Yeah. And so I want to wrap this up with just one quick thing. It's the sinking fund idea. Um, I didn't come up with it. It's a Dave mm -hmm. Ramsey thing. 
But if you are having a hard time hiring that person financially in your cash flow, I don't want you to kill your cash flow. <laughs> you know, I don't want that. But you can start saying, you know, maybe I could tuck away four thousand dollars in this next year, right? That I could have that will at least give me a few months of uh, of on uh, of onboarding this new person and have that money set aside, yep. so you don't do it. So if you're starting to concern about getting out of that cycle financially. That would be one of my recommendations for it. Love it, dude. Yeah. I love it. So I got one for you, a uh, little, uh, as we wrap up here. Mm-hmm. Highly recommend the book, Atomic Habits. Great book. Yeah. Yes. And I think if you want to be that superstar, just start with those little tiny habits. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what it is. You know, so when we're talking about like reducing the time you spend with a patient, mm-hmm. maybe, you know, he talks about those micro habits, but maybe the success is, you know, measuring how many of these. I have treatment done under 10 minutes, yeah. you know, or get mm-hmm. a chess clock, you know, slap yeah. it down and it starts counting down or whatever and uh, see how many you can score consecutively. And mm-hmm. man, I don't, I think we're at a point where I've never been more excited. As I always say, I've never yeah. been more excited to be a chiropractor and I've never been more excited about how to set up an office as the, the technologies and everything that's available today. Right? Yep. And I just think we need to, to adjust to the times, right? Yep. Like insurance isn't going to reimburse for this, unfortunately, a lot of times. So we need to build systems around it. There are plenty of chiropractors that are doing it. Try to learn from them, learn yeah. from you, and, and you'll be fine. Yeah. Awesome, dude. Well, hey, it's been a pleasure, man. Thanks for having me. Thanks for your time. Thanks for tuning in today. Please be sure to check our redesigned website at www.modernchiropracticmarketing.com. Stay up to date with our blog where content is regularly added by Kevin and guest contributors. You can also access our library of podcast episodes there. Go to www.modernchiropracticmarketing.com and subscribe to the podcast today. This is the podcastfactory.com.